0: to take another 15% off of this course, and uh, we can't wait to see you there. Agile for Humans, episode seven. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Well, all right, well, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley, at Ryan Ripley on Twitter. Joining me tonight, a repeat guest, one of my favorite guests that we've had so far is Mr. Zach Boniker. Zach, how you doing, sir? I'm doing
1: well, Ryan. Great to be with you again.
0: And we've also brought in Mr. Tim
2: Ottinger. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. So nice to be with you guys tonight. Yeah, I'm Todd Tinge on Twitter, but the blog is Agile Otter Blog. Excellent. So we're really excited to have you on, Tim. Met Tim
0: at Agile Coach Camp last year. Really great talk about how we make decisions. And and I think if you're If you're on trial, you want the judge to decide right after lunch, right? Absolutely. There we go. So great talk from Tim. If you get a chance to see him speak somewhere, it's always a good time. Guys, tonight we're taking on a fun topic. We're going back to the well. We're going to discuss no estimates. We recently did a show on that. We brought Neil Killick and George Dinwiddie on the show. Had an interesting discussion about the no estimates hashtag and how that works. We got a little criticism, a little pushback, and I thought, you know what? I'd like to dig into this one again, take a different tack, and tonight we're going to try a different angle. We're starting with a position that's been given to us by some of the critics out there. There's, There's a handful of people that have taken a position against no estimates, or at least a questioning position of it. And essentially, their comments come down to the idea that estimates are a natural, ubiquitous, useful, and unavoidable thing in practical life and business. They think they're important as part of the process of collaboratively setting reasonable targets, goals, and commitments within an organization. The process of estimating in and of itself has byproducts and benefits. And given that a rational estimating process is an integral part of making decisions in the presence of uncertainty, it's hard understand why anyone would state that a desirable goal is to push forward into limiting estimates down to zero where possible. That seems to me to be the critic's position. Does that seem like a fair representation of, of the many different points that we've seen either on Twitter or in blog posts about no estimates?
1: I think it's it's definitely a possibility <clears throat> that could be the real, you know, working practicalities of, of a system of work on a, a business, of both small and large, there are definitely ways to build software and to create processes around that that are driven by you know, range estimates, point estimates, a variety of different inputs that help us understand how to make those decisions.
2: It's certainly possible that if, you're, if your experience has been in, you know, especially in more traditional contract type of work, you have certainly grown up in a business where estimates are the primary unit of planning and planning is important you've got usually long horizons periods of invisible work and you need that kind of a thing to move forward certainly the worst thing you could imagine in an entire business predicated on estimates is for people just to stop giving them somebody walks in and they said you know sugary cereals are bad for your kids stop feeding your kids <laughs> that's wow that's not a it's not good logic there tim well no but that certainly can be how it sounds estimates are great uh, stop estimating well what's going to what am I going to do? How am I end my work if there are no estimates coming in, and my business depends on them well i 'll just start firing people. I guess What else yeah. would I do? yeah, Congrats.
0: and I think that 's a comment that that Neil Killick hit on in the last no estimates discussion is that he he does not walk into a team and say, "Stop estimating, and I think that 's clearly a point that that we 're making tonight is that. At no point in time would we recommend that a team that is used to working with estimates that currently relies on them, that they should stop. It really is an awful thing to do to your management, for one thing.
1: And I think that can go top to bottom, too, Ryan. I don't think it has to be necessarily a team. You can look at many layers of an organization, again, big and small, and come to that conclusion. That the way that we're doing, you know, the way that, that work flows today Estimating is a very important part of what we do today.
0: That's an important area of agreement that we have with some of the people pushing back on no estimates is that we do find value in certain types of estimation. For me, it's at the portfolio level. For others, it's at a different type of granularity and task. You know, the common question that we get, even with, among my peers, and so this is a discussion that's happening not only online, it's actually happening in, in offices and in, at brown bags. And the big question is, Well, what happens if I have five competing projects of similar value? How do I make a decision if I'm not estimating? And my answer is, well, you have to. You have to make some kind of estimate at a portfolio level to pick between projects. I'm not aware of a way to not do it. Now, now Tim or Zach, you guys might have a method to help me out. But what we found is that lightweight, affinity-based estimate estimation methods at a portfolio level can be valuable, can help you make a decision, and help you move forward. Are you guys seeing that same thing with your clients and within your organizations?
1: Tim, let's, let's start with you because I'm interested to hear what Industrial Logic does.
2: So... Uh, admittedly, Industrial Logic is a highly experimental group of long-term experts. So I'm going to prefix this with: you may not want to try this at home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it may not be safe.
2: Yes, but um, we're also a mix of uh, product and service work. We don't do big contracts. You know, if we were to hire on and do an 18-month contract, you know, with uh, so many people and a fixed cost, we would probably have to change how we do business somehow. But what we do, we've released, it looks like, 13 or 14 times since the sun came up yesterday. So when you're in continuous delivery, it's an entirely different situation. Um, We have priorities, you know, sold customer work. I'm out teaching a class in Texas today. That comes first. Supporting our colleagues comes first when they're out. So sometimes we don't do any development work, if there's enough of that. Following that, we do have products. We have the e-learning product. We have a TDD dashboard. We have a couple of secret projects, probably gonna be released later this year, so you'll keep watching the space. But they can be starved out, and that's okay. We don't actually have to choose between them by cost. We're looking at potential, and, and then we're trying to release quickly to get it out the door. So we can decide every day what's the most important thing to do. It doesn't matter, you know, If it's gonna take 18 phases to get it out the door, we can get it out the door in pieces for the next seven months. We don't have a deadline. We're just trying to make money and make customers happy. So we don't need the estimates. They're just not helpful when the work is this visible and the planning horizon is this short, it just doesn't make a difference.
1: Tim, it sounds like you've created ways of building software, systems of work to build software that even enable you to, to start without estimates. And that might not be true for some organizations. They may be locked into ways that what you just said would be, I, I don't wanna say blasphemous, but nearly impossible, right? Or improbable.
2: I, I imagine that's true. Without continuous deployment, it's a whole different world. And I find that uh, there's something called planning stress. So it's how much in advance do I need to plan? How far into the future? How narrow of a margin do I have? so if I'm gonna work at you know a two percent margin for the next four years oh my gosh that's terrifying that's that's just scary stuff if the work is invisible it's doubly so mm-hmm. when we have continuous deployment the horizons are short the works always visible I can see how much we've done in the last six months that's how much we're probably gonna get done in the next six months because it's actually done not because it's estimated yeah and then we yeah. can kinda of work off of our capacity and our flow but you're right a lot of people can't they have to plan way into the future they won't know for sure what things to are done, but they need to know, you know, are they going to come in under margin? Or are they going to be totally lost on this? Are they going to be upside down on the deal? And the work's invisible. If I don't see the product all the time, fully integrated, fully deployed, live in front of people, I'm going to need a surrogate measure. And for most companies, that surrogate measure is actuals compared to estimates. The first clue you have that you're in trouble is when you're late on your estimate. We have code. It works. It's right in front of you. You can run it right now, 12 times, 13 times since yesterday.
0: When you're working in a system, an organization, a company, however, whichever term you'd like to use, that is not set up to run in the way that, Tim, that you just outlined, what are the lessons that are still valuable to these organizations from a no estimates type of discussion? What can they still pull from it?
1: <laughs> well, Ryan, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> One thing that that occurs to me is is whether or not we have the ability uh, amongst colleagues and peers in the culture of the organization to even have the question to explore if there's a better way or if our system of work is really conducive to delivering the best possible outcome for you know building software. I happen to work with with a company that made a decision that said, you know we we want to we we've observed that the the larger our our forecasting, our planning horizon becomes, the more difficult our estimation practices be, become, the the you know, the further off that they are, the more pain we feel. And so what we're gonna do just simply to understand where we need to go next is, and it was still, you know, a very traditional, almost, you know, looked more like a waterfall type process, but required everything to to have some sort of demonstrable feature or software or, or, you know, some component of the project to be done at a maximum of three months. And so the organization started to build a cadence around three months. And that in of itself, just by reducing the timeframe, improved their current estimation practices. I don't know if that's, you know, a huge takeaway of the idea of saying, get, you know, how do we change our systems of work to not use estimates as much, but just again, Taking the the being able to ask the question, what could help us get better at estimating, um, and deciding we're going to shrink our programs down to a maximum of three months made a huge difference for that organization.
0: So it sounds like learning to to just ask the question could be a big takeaway from the no estimates hashtag and that whole conversation. I'm wondering if another byproduct of this whole conversation is looking at the systems that they're working in and trying to understand. What's driving behavior that, one, puts such a reliance on estimates, and two, that drives how estimates are delivered? And what I mean by that is, what are the incentives to estimate correctly? Is it safe to estimate in an honest and open manner? Is it safe to, to provide an estimate? Or, or is it really just, is it a sword and a shield type situation, where initially the estimate is your sword to fight back the scope creep and whatever other... What other, whatever other activities that you're you're working against and then ultimately it becomes the shield that you protect yourself against when something goes wrong during a software development effort
1: yeah Ryan it's an interesting question right because one of the things that I've I've learned from this from both ends um, of the you know no estimates versus we have to estimate you know uh, uh, parties one of the most interesting things that that I've learned is well there In some cases, some people have responded to me and said, you know, this abuse that you talk about, you say that you can't estimate because, you know, you've been abused and people have been made victims out of some of these estimates before. I've never experienced that. And all I've seen is, you know, real professional, real, you know, solid technical practices around cost estimation come in and make a world of difference. And I don't know what you're talking about. And then I talk to other people that say, I've spent years working overtime and, you know, uh, being miserable and being made to be a victim because somebody else told me when I had to get something done that I couldn't do it in time. So that, that to me has been a huge takeaway of saying there, there really is a pretty significant difference in experience between the people who may be arguing this position. Has anyone else seen that or discovered that as well? So when did McConnell's
2: uh, software estimation come out? In there, he wrote a lot of uh, – okay, so in 2006 – Steve McCoddle wrote a book called Software Estimation, Demystifying the Black Art, which, by the way, is a pretty good book. And there's a lot of stuff in there that I have carried with me through life. And one of the things he talked about was all the things that are not estimation. If we're going to talk about the value of estimation, we need to get through a couple of those. For instance, Zach, how long will it take you to get that done by next Tuesday?
1: It'll take me exactly 20 hours.
2: (laughs) So... (laughs) How long will it take to have it done by a certain date? That's not asking for an estimate. That's just communicating a target. Sure. That's not estimation. Number two, how long is that going to take? It'll take 20 hours. Could it be 12? Well, the estimate is 20. The negotiation is 12. <laughs> Why? How? How is, I think it's really going to take 20. How is that negotiable? Well, it's because you don't really want an estimate. What you're wanting is, is an ambition or an intention. We can't really argue estimates um, on the point of, cost and time, we would have to only be able to argue scope. How much can you get done by next Tuesday? I could do this much work in 20 hours. How much could you do in 12? We don't often realize we're talking about scope, but an estimate is an estimate. It's as likely to be long as short. It is a legitimate thing that, you know, if I need to plan in medium term, if I'm planning tomorrow, I don't care. But if I'm going to plan a couple of weeks or, or a couple of months out, it seems reasonable. But I have to be able to deal with them as estimates, not as goals or ambitions. And there's a thing I like to call planning to fail. And this is where the abuses usually come in. I ask you how long. You tell me 20 hours. Could it possibly be 15? You think about it. Being a good soldier, I can try to cut some corners and not complete it exactly. And maybe I can let you have it in 15 it won't be as done. Maybe it'll be okay. Great, 15. And then I collect a whole bunch more estimates that are all as short as possible. And then I fit as many of them as possible into my time frame, So that all it takes is for one estimate to be off by one day for the plan to be blown. So by shortening the estimates and packing them tightly, I am planning to fail as miserably as possible as often as possible. That's and, an abuse. We yep. can put that aside.
1: And it's, it's funny, Tim, with the when 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 i've read you know articles and and talking with some of the people out there who are really passionate about cost estimation they've shared with me a number of papers and really really interesting details on their practice and it strikes me in reading you know these these articles and blogs how they're very concerned about the abuse that you cited and it's yes. funny because if you look at what they're arguing for it's the solid understanding, the good use and, and how to use estimates within systems of work. It's, it's almost a lot of what, from a no estimates perspective, we kind of argue with saying it's that abuse that, that we almost share the same message. It's just that in one end, we're trying to explain this is why it has to be treated a certain way in a system of work. And on the other end, we say, and yeah, because of that abuse, we're exploring how we can come up with different systems of work such that we don't need estimates and even need to potentially experience or have to worry about that that abuse even happening. So it's almost like a shared message, just a little different sides. It's kind of interesting to me.
2: By the way, one of my clients, Northern Midwest, we did a little study and we found that they were spending man days per week trying to improve their estimation and they had been doing so for probably a year and they were lamenting how incredibly bad their estimates were still Uh, this is one of those things is if we're gonna feel guilty for doing it badly and we can't get better at it there's gonna be a lot of frustration how do you get past that but at the same time you know There's people with good hearts, good intentions, and statistical methods. They're trying to help us improve our estimation in the hopes that we can do it well. And on the flip side, some of those
0: people are incredibly successful doing it. So they are enjoying success through Monte Carlo simulations and and confidence levels on top of a number that's estimated and, and using appropriate ranges and creating healthy environments where it's safe to talk about estimates where they don't become commitments. And there are those people out there that are doing incredibly well. The consistent message back to them has been, by all means, please keep doing your estimates. There are some people that have responded to Zach and I about their ability to have weekly releases using a very very sophisticated and very interesting estimation method, and they're very successful. And to them, I say, hats off. That's wonderful. I've not seen how necessarily that's applicable universally, because my experience is more along the lines with Zach, where in a past life at a at a very regulated, uh, company that was under FDA and other types of regulations, uh, the estimates turned into commitments very quickly and they turned into a means to shame developers into working, uh, insane hours or to demean them for not making their commitments on time or not making their commitments. And, and they were really used as a means to, to box people in as opposed to like what George Dinwiddie was talking to us about in the last podcast about, means to just test a hypothesis so you're making a lot of assumptions with an estimate and you're using the actual work delivered to validate those assumptions and when the the assumptions shift a healthy environment shifts the estimate and shifts the target and shifts the goal and responds
2: accordingly and that doesn't always happen there's a tremendous amount of investment on both sides of this equation right there's a whole lot of developers who are trying to figure out how to do estimation well there are experts publishing books doing studies using statistical methods monte carlo simulations trying to do estimates well there are managers that are begging for estimates to be done well and trying to you know to the best of their ability make estimates work well it's a whole industry essentially it's a whole branch of software development that's pouring tons of investments which means that it's probably a great time for us to ask is that investment even necessary and what if it isn't?
1: There could be a whole, whole range of benevolence on some systems that are necessitating estimates, and they're in the environment where they can do it well, and it's working effectively for them. What can we discover by doing it better there? But what can we discover by coming up with new systems of work that may be able to match that in other environments and other organizations? It, it occurs to me that. Really, the idea of of trying to get technically better at something that seems well understood to people where it is working is really kind of in the spirit of Agile of continuously improving it. And yet we're exploring and discovering new and exciting ways of building software in other environments where maybe that wasn't as successful. Both seem very, very benevolent. And in a lot of ways, at least in trying to put myself in in hearing both ends of the the, the message, I've learned a lot from both sides. I don't I don't see why that this isn't a good thing to continue. Conversing
0: about one of the shortcomings of the conversation has been not making a connection between no estimates and agile thinking, like you just did, Zach. You, you expressed that very well. It's not always clear to people that we are following the values and the principles of the Agile Manifesto as we explore at estimation, and so we are looking at how do we, how do we go from a heavy estimation process to working software more quickly? And is a a heavy estimation process getting in the way of that kind of delivery? And if it is, how do we get to where the estimate is just responsible enough for us to get that software out quickly? And it's that kind of thinking that we're not necessarily expressing alongside the no estimates discussion. And so when you're not approaching software development from an agile perspective,
2: I don't think no estimates makes sense. Does it? I would agree with that so if you're delivering early and continuous was it uh, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software if you are not delivering in a manner that could be described as continuous then I don't think no estimates can ever make a bit of sense I, I agree with you now there there are three different kinds of businesses in the world though in the software business on one hand you'll have people who are doing a product and you take a look at the lean startup people. They're not big on estimating. Lean startup is getting things out quickly, do it now, get information faster, get money sooner. They can run their project products without estimates because it's faster. It's faster than estimating. It's amazingly, you know, it's lean startup. Then you have the right. second kind of business, which is a service type business. And I have friends in this business. You can't possibly plan. You have no idea what people are going to ask you to do by this time next year. You're going to receive a request. You're going to handle it, probably Kanban style, you're going to be measuring cycle time, you know, what is is my full lead time, request in, answer out. You can't estimate that. You might look at something and say, oh, I can't get this done by Friday, but usually that's not the issue. The issue is a rapid turnaround. Okay, not important. And then we get to the third one, which is contracting. And I think when we go to contracting, we're looking at a different world. I'm not living in that world myself. And unless you happen to run your product artificially as a series of projects or a series of contracts, estimating is not
1: very useful there. And even even within that, in the contract world, you add even further complications to the you know various domains that could be within the contracting space. I mean, what is it a private product, a government you know contract? There's there's even a whole degree of of how how much variance can even exist in those systems of work. So, yeah, I. I I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it, you really have to consider that. It's a great point.
2: What does your customer require from you is always a question here, too. Their system may be set up on estimates. And by not giving them estimates, you may be disabling them. It goes back to
0: something that, that George was talking to us about. It's really all about meeting needs. And so you are trying to meet the needs of the people you're serving. In this case, it's our customers. And in the case of a, a, low, variant, a low tolerance for variance, like Zach was talking about, Clearly, an estimate's required, and you should absolutely do an estimate in that situation. When you're talking about lean startup, the need they're trying to meet is to get cash flow quickly. And in that scenario, the estimate doesn't meet a need. They're building and releasing and pushing. That frame of mind, it becomes at least a simpler conversation that we're meeting a need. And if the need is an estimate, the next logical question that we have is, what makes it a need? Can we talk about the system that's causing you to ask for that estimate? And if there is something there... And first of all, we think at, the, the request is benevolent.
2: Yes.
0: I want to make sure that's very, very clear. It is a benevolent request. But we want to understand the motivation behind the request. Is it because you're on an annual budgeting cycle and you have X number of resources that you're allowed to use uh, throughout the year and you have you know, capacity is always outrun by demand? And, and is it that kind of situation that you're trying to plan for? Well, if that's the case... Are there opportunities to improve an annual cycle or, or to get away from it? Are there opportunities to look at a different intake process for work? Is there the ability to get to where we can, we can use shorter cycles of work, if we have to do an estimate, to make them better? I think that's really the natural question we're trying to ask. Yeah. And, and perhaps we haven't, done, we haven't explained that well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anybody who would work in, I guess what you would call a more traditional You know, organization or system of work, you know, maybe something that resembles a phase gate type of process that really feels connected to me when we say, hey, let's talk about, you know, no estimates, right? So um, it it is a good point and that most of the people, maybe all, I don't know, um, (laughs) I haven't collected the data, but uh, most people seem to be in the space of thinking about agile, trying to derive practices that that are informed by a set of values and principles that are in the manifesto, right, that enable us to have those conversations, to explore new systems of work, to to change them if we need be, and really to be very systemic in our change where we're not afraid to, you know, we're, we're not afraid to cross organizations or even go as far upstream as we have to in order, in order to enable a, a better outcome. In a traditional sense, I, I don't know if there's much opportunity to have this conversation. If I want to empathize on, on the other end, I, I could feel like... It, With a hashtag that says no estimates, (laughs) that almost would be, you know, written as a threat in a lot of ways.
0: The ambiguity around uh, the hashtag, the name of it, and even in some cases, the lack of civility demonstrated at times by the supporters of no estimates has damaged that discussion and in some ways has limited collaboration. Do you think that's a
2: fair point? I believe it is. I think that's fair. In fact, I think it's entirely fair, but I also think that there is, the fact that it is a conversation actually has limited the conversation. Um, (laughs) you, You see a hashtag that says no estimates and you think that's a movement, that's an organization, that's a process, that it's a thing. And imagine when you come up and try to talk to somebody about no estimates and you find out that it's not a process. There aren't any certified no estimate professionals coming out to your house. There isn't a, a no estimates class that you can subscribe to. You can't install it with the software. That's a hard conversation to have if what you're looking for is, you know, here are these people with an agenda attacking the way I do business. Who do I fight? Well, nobody. There's no one fighting there. There's no there there. There's no battleground. And that, that's the hardest part
0: of this whole, whole discussion. We're, we're asking questions. We're trying to figure out are there areas that you can minimize estimation. But it's really just a series of questions about very specific contexts and domains. Yes. And every one of them is different. And there's never going to be the no estimates step-by-step guide to make this work at your company. It's going to be a series of, of probing questions, of exploration, of applying the agile values and principles to your work environment to see how close you can get and still responsibly deliver software that meets the needs of your stakeholders, and to also meet the the needs of those that you work with and, and those that you work for.
1: Yeah, we've, I mean, we've discovered now so many different ways. I mean, I, maybe there's more methods out there than I would really like that we say are, are agile. Maybe maybe it, it does really get simple around just delivering, you know, working software and 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 you know being value focused and interact with your customers. But I, I can think of an example where we have a we have a team that that doesn't estimate at all. There's just simply no estimation whatsoever. They try to, and, and I guess this is a form of estimation, right? Where we're going to size work down into, you know, reasonable scope to where we can get rapid. We can amplify our feedback loop. And they've been doing it for so many years that the company just trusts them. Don't need just, let's just have a continuous conversation about what you want delivered and you're just constantly delivering. And there's no estimation because that system of work supports it and they've worked towards it. I know of another organization that did something fairly similar to using some of the the cost of delay principles from Reinertsen and was incorporated into um, SAFE by Dean Leffingwell at the portfolio level where they said, let's try to get away from these month-long feasibility studies that we were generating with all these crazy estimates, with people spending time building spreadsheets, trying to predict estimates and come up and we were never getting anything done and let's just create a lightweight business portfolio that we use a, you know, proxies for cost of delay and relative estimation to help us make decisions. So still an estimate, but it didn't look like it from a traditional sense. And that was one way that that company helped, you know, get better at what they do. That might work for your organization. It might not. So it's really difficult to give or to state, here's exactly how you do it. And and I don't think we would want to say, this is how you should do it. We would want you to continue to have that conversation to find better means, better ways of doing it for yourself in a way that makes sense for your teams, your organizations, whatever systems are in play.
0: At the end of that exploration, if you find that your practices were correct and you were working in an optimal way, then proudly continue them. No one's going to judge that. That's not a, that's not a negative thing. It's great you asked the questions. It's great that you found out that what you were doing was best for your organization and
2: context. And keep moving forward. And I think with that is, you know, no estimates ha- hashtag is like saying I don't need estimates. It's not saying everyone must stop estimating. I think that people misunderstand that, too. And I think it's confusing. I'm not telling what you should do. And Woody himself, if he were here, he would be saying, I'm not telling you that you can't do this. I'm telling you that I've stopped, I don't need to do it, and it's working for me. And we can talk about that if you're interested. But I also think that there's a historical context here. We can't believe that we know, any of us, the one true way to make software. If you think about it, less than 400 years ago, Galileo was dropping rocks. 300 years ago was the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. 40 years ago was considered the beginning of the Information Age. 10 to 12 years ago was the beginning of Agile. I don't think, historically, this is a time for us to stop questioning how we do things and stop looking for better systems. I think, historically, this is a beautiful time for us to be thinking together about what else could we do, how else could we do it. I don't think that should be threatening at all.
0: If anything, the conversations are, are rich and meaningful. They're fun. You know, At most conferences that you go to now, you can certainly find a group of people that want to have this discussion. And even if you just end up going round and round for a few hours, it's a, it's a great question to at least get you thinking and but I'm wondering if we flip the question on its ear for a moment I know that Tim in your context and in your situation you guys have have shrunk the 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 delivery window to such a a small point that estimates don't make sense but I'm wondering Uh, even in your past experience, and and Zach, you too, are there situations and scenarios where estimates just purely make sense to you and where you still utilize them and you still think that regardless of your current findings, they really should
2: be done? There's, for me, still the concept of the uh, last responsible minute. Sometimes you need to understand that there's legitimate lead times. Some people can't produce physical goods, you know, willy nilly and in tiny pieces, there are, there are issues, you know, builds of, of equipment. So when you're, when your software is a piece of a machine and people are buying machines, not software, respecting those lead times, probably going to require you to make some estimates. Do you think
0: that that respect of lead times also applies to, let's say a gaming company, right? So they're building iteration of Halo. I guess that was a big game back when I had the time to play video games. And and they have all sorts of trade shows, they have conferences, they have marketing pushes, they have television commercials, they have all these things that are not directly related to the development of software, but the delivery of that game has to match up to it. Would you say that's another scenario where, for lack of a better phrase, the the boxcars have to be lined up?
1: I've never actually worked in the um, the gaming industry. I've yet, but I do know a number of a number of people that that have been or are in it, and. Everything that I hear about that industry is, is is wow, it's a pretty intense place to be. So I think it, it sheds a little bit of insight or, you know, some justification to our prior conversation about, you know, really we do have to consider domain in the context in these conversations. But I believe that when we talk about estimates and where we start to have, you know, where does it make sense? Where is it practical? We both shared our thoughts and, and kind of in, in different ways about how about how our, our systems of work are going to vary and it may not you know, there may not be one absolute you know, truth, but I think the further upstream you go at a business level, the more we're going to have to be using estimates or we're going to find more cases where they do become more practical and necessary in whatever shape or form estimates take place. I mean, when I get down to some of the execution level, that's where a lot of abuse tends to happen with, with estimates. And that's where I, I feel like maybe we can pull back. And that's where, where 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 even, you know, all systems of work may be able to... to to start to cut them out, but when you go further upstream, um, you know where we make our decisions to to execute. We, we're going to need something to help us make those decisions.
2: It seems now again. I'm also not in the game industry, but um, I'm going to take this opportunity to formally announce that I'm not going to bring up Duke Nukem in this context.
1: <laughs> <laughs> chew bubblegum?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, instead, let's talk. I'm going to kind of repeat a little bit that the longer the planning horizon is and the narrower the margins and the more invisible the work is, the stronger the need is for governance and estimation.
1: Yes, definitely.
2: As long as those three things are high. If you're going to put in, you know, if you're going to make infinite money, then it doesn't matter how long it takes you, right? The margin's so big, you don't care about anything else. But if it's tight, you really need to know, am I going to die on this? If the work's really visible, you can go by, you know, well, here's where we actually are today. Oh, great. You know, we can release in a week or we can't. A case where you're going to go to a trade show, how much will we have to show? Well, here's what we have now. Well, how many more times are we going to release between now and then? Eh, 50 or 60. OK, well, we'll see what we have. It's not the same stress. So the work has to be invisible. The margin has to be moderately tight and the horizon has to be long. But whenever that's true, if you don't estimate, you're not
1: yeah, you've got no me. Yeah, there, there, there is no way to make a decision. There's no way to make anything go in that case. So when there's nothing else to turn to, turn to estimates.
0: So there are there are a lot of, and we've talked about this previously. There are some byproducts of estimates that I think we all find to be useful. You know, whether it's at a portfolio level to select projects, it, or it's more of a common understanding of a project of a deliverable or of a of a budget of a of a staffing level you know whatever it is that that we're using estimates for or that we find value in have you found that that as you shorten the delivery cycle as you make the work more visible they you've had to come up with other practices to re- replace some of those benefits and byproducts or is the intense collaboration around those frequent releases is that replacing some of those discussions that would happen around an estimation session?
1: In my in my experience, working software is a, a a huge mitigator of risk and builds trust, right? And it starts to influence you know again how how we work together and how how that those patterns evolve. I, I recently was at a group where we're kind of a learning community talking about various agile topics, and the idea of estimating was brought up. And we asked this question, you know, so so what what good do we get out of estimates? And everyone said, well, estimates are useful. People really felt passionate about it. Said estimates are very useful because they, you know, really enable that conversation and discovery about, oh, I forgot about this or I forgot about that. And it dawned on me that, you know, in all these conversations, you all expressed real value in estimates are around shared understanding, communication, but not with the estimate itself. So why is it that if we've evolved to that point, that we would use estimates? to invoke those conversations when they could just occur naturally through you know, our conversations or you know, with the people, the you know, product leaders who are, who are engaging with teams about releases and, and, and plans. Why can't they just happen there and focus on driving that conversation rather than using estimation as a practice to get what you're not actually seeking? You know, I, I believe that if the organization, the team, the group has evolved to the point where that's really the inherent value in estimating, is the collaboration and the shared understanding we should probably recognize that and seek ways to you know have it a, a occur more naturally um, without having to you know, rely on something that we're not actually using for maybe the purpose that we used to.
0: I think that's incredibly well put. And as I look over at the clock, we're reaching our time box for this particular episode. And I hate to see this one end because it has been just a very open discussion about feelings around estimates, the no estimates hashtag and, and how they apply to our lives. As a sum up, you know, where we have found estimation to be useful, how it ties back to uh, the agile values and principles how we are asking questions about systems of work to drive improvement. And that we all agree that, that regardless of the, if you're asking for estimates or if you're asking to reduce estimates, that it's being done in a benevolent manner. And so I think with those takeaways and also a call for, for more civility around the discussion, you know I'm hoping that we've moved this, this discussion forward. You guys have done an excellent job uh, of representing... Uh, your own views and also some of the the more general views around these very complicated topics so i just wanted to thank you guys for that as well thank you for the opportunity
1: that was a great time Ryan.
0: i'm sure that there are some out there especially with the the interest in this topic that they'll want to reach out find you online or or through other means so if you guys would provide a way for our listeners to reach you if you have anything to plug anything else that you want to uh, bring up now would be the time tim let's start with you well of course
2: i'm easily reached Uh, My Twitter handle is T-O-T-T-I-N-G-E. It's like T-Ottinger without the R. My email address is the same, at Industrial Logic, where you can find uh, our professional blog. And then also you can find me at agileotter.blogspot.com. And you'll find many similar topics uh, in all of those places. Zach, how can uh, people reach out and continue the discussion with you?
1: Yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn if you'd like. Again, my name is Zach Boniker, Z-A-C-H, B is in boy, O-N-A-K-E-R. And you can you know, follow me on Twitter or connect with me on Twitter as well, at Zach Boniker. Again, the, yeah, feel free to connect. I love chatting and talking, collaborating with really, really anyone, whether you agree with viewpoints or not.
0: All right, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please visit agileenterman dot com and leave a comment on the podcast posting, or if you'd like to reach out on iTunes, we'd love to hear your reviews and feedback. Five stars helps us out a lot, and five is our favorite number, so if you'd please go out to iTunes, leave a review of the podcast, we certainly would appreciate it. You can also hit up at Ryan Ripley on Twitter, along with all of our other hosts, to, to leave your comments and feedback. We'd love to hear about the topics that are important to you and how we could make the show better and more valuable for you. Thanks for listening, and have a great night.